State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee, the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So on the Voice of Truth radio show, we're going to engage in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, current events from a biblical perspective. Tune in every Thursdays at Every Thursday at 5, Saturdays at 3 o'clock for the Voice of Truth radio show. We podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. All right, Pastor, how you doing? I am doing great. All right, so getting closer and closer to Christmas. Today's the 14th. You won't be here next week, but uh, we're going to try to have a show of some sort. We're going to try. That's the operative word. You'll try. <laughs> It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Tune in. Okay, we're going to get off that before lightning strikes the pastor <laughs> in his own church. Uh, so, um, last week, what did we do? We had uh, Kayla Kessinger on, who's a delegate from Fayette County, a friend of mine. She's she brilliant. She did a great job. Oh, man. I, I was very impressed in just her handling of and her knowledge of the yeah. Dobbs case. I mean, yeah. it was amazing. She, she did it. And she's just, uh, I don't know, 27, 28. But she's been, uh, she grew up in the pro-life culture and just knows, knows it just by nature. Uh, she, can, she can give arguments on pro-life. She gives really great speeches on the House floor on, uh, on life. And uh, she explained Dobbs, like you said, uh, just in an excellent fashion, understandable, and uh, made it easy for for dumb people like me to to get, but we're going to uh, next segment. We're going to uh, take on a little bit more um, on the abortion, uh, on the Roe Roe v. Wade potentially being overturned. Had some bad news out of um, I don't know if it was Maine, some northeastern state. The Supreme Court said, "Nope, we're not going to allow you to have vaccine freedom." To me, that portends. Um, not well for Roe v. Wade because if you, to me that to me there's there's a tie there, um, mm-hmm. that uh, there's a connection that if you can't if you can't come come out strong on religious freedom, Kavanaugh and Barrett mm-hmm. and Roberts, then maybe you don't have the guts to do Roe v. Wade. Well, this is the big problem I think, and maybe we'll get into it a little bit more as we get into that segment, but. You know, people are choosing this this idea of follow the science. They're making this this science falsely so-called God. And I think that even these justices that pretend to be conservative in nature are getting grabbed on to this this issue of follow the science because they don't they don't want to feel 
like they're not intellectual, that they're not part of the mainstream when mm-hmm. it comes to us giving ourselves over to the science. But this is the thing. People aren't following the science. They're being enslaved by a science falsely so-called. And it has its, like we've talked about many times, it has its bedrock foundation in evolution, which completely denies the existence of God, which turns us over to our own survival of the fittest. It creates a cruel, purposeless world mm-hmm. where people will kill babies in the womb and deny people their basic rights of life to decide what's put in their own body. Yes. And uh, fundamentally, we have a constitutional right to say, look, I don't I don't want that in in my body. I don't care. Absolutely. I don't care if it's the government or it's a corporation that's forcing you to do it or whoever. Um, nobody has a right to tell you to put something like that in your body. And, and uh, they do it, you know, they do it everywhere. The military does it. But people are fighting back everywhere also. Uh, unfortunately, the Supreme Court isn't one of them. So the three that were strong vote or good votes against uh, or uh, for the religious freedom case that went down 6-3, it was Thomas, Alito, mm-hmm. and Gorsuch. Yeah. So those are the, Thomas and Alito are the foundational uh, – the strong ones, you know, they're good almost every single decision. Gorsuch, 70, 80%. He was good on this one. Okay, but where's Kavanaugh? Where's Amy Barrett? Where's Roberts? Mm-hmm. They were, they were, the other three liberals we know we're not going to get, but they they ran for the tall grass. And these are Trump appointments. And I'm, so I'm thinking uh, maybe he's not getting top tier guys. I was talking yeah. to my son about this last night. Uh, you know, my son said, "You know why? Why doesn't Trump pick these these judges out in the hinterland of the of America that are making strong decisions, uh, uh, courageous decisions, and put them on the court?" Mm-hmm. Kavanaugh was—I never heard anyone say, "Okay, this guy is a A plus, top shelf guy." It was always kind of, "We hope, we hope, uh, we think he'll, we think he'll be good." Amy Barrett, everyone will say, "Oh, Amy Barrett, Amy Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett." Well, she's just not been very good. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, that's why that's why we need to pray and pray and pray on Roe, which will po- probably come out in June. But um, uh, you know, the the arguments sounded great. The ju- six of the justice justices sounded great. Uh, but uh, this this religious freedom thing, which is basic, is fundamental. That's why the pilgrims came. Yeah. Not for religious freedom even, but for religious conscience. But that, we've deconstructed that to such a degree that nobody uh, nobody connects with that anymore in, in the process of who we are as a nation. Yes, well, we've lost our identity yes, that way. we certainly have. Alright, so a couple stories. So we'll do that in the next segment. i got a couple great stories here. Um, this is a little gal that uh, her daddy got shot and mm. killed in uh, the line of duty, and and a lot of times, well, anyway, this this gal just basically comes out and says, "Look, I'm I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive." She's obviously a believer. I mean, at least by her testimony, yeah, too. It's a Christian family. Yeah. She's a yeah, good point. She's a believer, um, but the way she says it is so genuine. It's it's not superficial or right. phony at all. So I'm just going to read. Read these uh, few paragraphs here, so just hang with me. Just over a week ago, the life of Richard Houston II, a 21-year veteran of the Mesquite, Texas Police Department, was taken by a gun-wielding man in a parking lot. Jamie Jeremio, uh, mistress by his side, had just been confronted by his wife 
about his infidelity, Officer Houston took the call to respond to the disturbance and upon arriving attempted to talk to Jeremio. <coughs> For reasons that weren't immediately clear, Jeremio pulled out a gun, shot Houston, the officer, twice in the chest, and then turned the gun on himself. The gunman survived, but the 46-year-old Houston died at the scene, <laughs> leaving behind a wife and three children. That always is just wow. makes it even more brutal is the little kids at home and yeah. the wife. But thankfully, that isn't the le- um, that isn't all he left behind. According to colleagues, Houston was a man of strong faith, a fact substantiated not just by the personal Bible that always accompanied him hmm. in his squad car, wow. but by this, the testimony of Grace, his 18-year-old daughter, uh, the testimony of Grace, that's not the gal's name, it's Grace Grace. His 18-year-old daughter, daughter Shelby delivered at the heart-wrenching funeral. Wow. So this is what she said, and this is really, really powerful. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty, his little girl said. She's 18. I've heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Mm. Not, uh, not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always aches for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that, I always thought, I always told, I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but it hasn't happened to my, but it's happened uh, to my own father. I think I still feel the same. Hmm. There's been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion, and part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any part of my heart to hate him. Wow. She's like, I know I should hate him, but I don't hate him. I love him in Jesus. All I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father, not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. Huh. How about that? Wow. She's, that is so raw and, and, and so honest and so uh, uh, unvarnished. She's not trying to be phony. She's not mm-hmm. saying, well, look, look what a good Christian I am. She's just saying... I, when my, I talk to my daddy about people that died in the line of duty, I always think about the shooter. Hmm. And uh, she, she said, when, I, when it happened to my, you know, people would say, look, you may think that way, but if it happened to your own dad, you'd be different. And she said, it happened to my own dad, and I, I don't feel different. Wow. I still want to tell the man who killed my father about Jesus Christ. I saw that story shared on social media with an actual video clip of her um, kind of eulogizing her dad and talking about the situation. And if you get a chance to see that online, it is it is powerful, and you can tell it is very, very genuine. Um, it's amazing how God can do that healing work in our hearts. You know, it's... Yeah, and she obviously, she obviously had um, a deep relationship with the Lord before this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just all of a sudden conjure up uh, that kind of that kind of spirituality mm-hmm. no. after your daddy is killed. Well, I think two things. I think she obviously had a strong relationship with her earthly father, and then she had a strong relationship with her heavenly father. And it's amazing. A lot of people will 
push aside that strength of relationship in order to fill their heart with bitterness and anger. I get it. I mean, just hearing the story, you get angry about it, that this good man was shot by this criminal. But, you know, to honor their memory, you don't want to fill your own life up with bitterness. And it's amazing how God's grace can, can really be sufficient. You know, I always struggle with that verse where... God tells Paul, hey, I'm not going to take this burden away from you. I'm not going to take this thorn in the flesh away from you. My grace is sufficient for you. And it's kind of like, what does that mean? Well, I think this is an example of what that means. I think this is an example of how that works in people's lives through the testimony of this dear And, and this, will, girl this here. will glorify God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will bring people to Christ. And God will bless her Absolutely. for this. Yeah. Uh, what a, what a great story. And as you said, what, it must have been a, a great dad that died that day and a great officer. Mm-hmm. So, All right. So uh, we got a few minutes for this segment here. You folks have seen this. You've seen this. Um, I couldn't resist printing it out. <laughs> <laughs> Pure evil. The United, the United Nations unveils a statue at its New York City headquarters that resembles the beast from the book of Revelation. Hmm. So I brought it in this morning. I saw it. You've heard about it. I did. You were uh, like, ah, that looks Photoshopped. So we went online, looked at some other pictures. Because I agree, the the picture I have, it's a Gateway Pundit, uh, which is a a good website. But the the picture we have, it it looks like a computer model. Yeah, like it's a rendering, maybe not the actual. But Mm -hmm. uh, so we we go online and we want to make sure that – uh, but I, I've not seen anyone on Facebook, and everyone's posting it mm-hmm. on Facebook. Nobody's saying, okay, this is a hoax. So here we have uh, United Nations unveiled a statue of a beast outside its headquarters in New York City. This was given from a couple of people from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let me see. Here's a, here's a quote here. I'm not sure who's saying it, but... Um, one of, let's say the news report, one of the strangest statues that I've ever seen in my entire life has just been set up right outside UN headquarters in New York City. So everyone is quoting chapter 13 of Revelation, verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth uh, as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Mm. So is this a metaphor here? Because the dragon is giving him a power. It's giving mm-hmm. him a seat, uh, uh, a place where he'll rule. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, I think there's obviously an uncanny resemblance to the description that's given there. And I think it's positioning at the UN is, is very interesting for sure. I think the backstory is, is that there were some artists from Mexico who formed this out of some of their, um, you know, their heritage from where they're from and, and then gave it to the United Nations to use however they wanted. So I don't know that there's a specific, um, desire to replicate the beast of revelation in this. Uh, but yeah, could it be symbolic of what's going on? I think certainly it could. Um, I, I think there is a, a tone that's struck here that's even more significant, and it's this. When you look at our heritage as a nation, not the United Nations, but as a nation, you find that our monuments, our structures, uh, our statues resemble a history and a legacy 
that comes from the Word of God. So you have inscriptions from Scripture on our monuments. You have statues of men that God used to form the country. Um, very rarely in our tradition in America do we formulate idolatry into our tradition. You know, a lot of these statues that we see in these other cultures resemble gods that they worshipped, not the Bible, because these countries weren't developed from the Word of God. So I think the contrast that we see here is now we're putting up this statue in a place of governance as a semblance of this multicultural understanding of who deity is or what it is that we worship. And, and it strikes a, a, a strange chord, I think. It really does. It doesn't really fit in with you know, our history. And I realize that this is United Nations. I realize that this isn't about the United States. But boy, I think there's a lot going on there that's that's a little scary so this too. Is, this is the United Nations, and, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's not it's not uh, a reflection of the U.S. Except that it's in New York City, yep. and we allowed the United Nations to plant itself there yep. foolishly. Yep. And so, so what about when you have a, a country who's who's taking all of those monuments, those reflections of our culture and what we believe, and and uh, the Ten Commandments and these verses and these great men of our past and we're taking them away right so then you've got then you've got a vacuum mm-hmm. that can be filled and maybe this is filling that vacuum no i believe we're actively doing that now i don't know that i would go to seed on oh man this is the beast from revelation and yeah. I, I think sure there could be some semblance there and i have no problem with saying that the un is an agent in this one world kind of movement that will you know define the the last chapter of this earth for sure but i think that what you're saying is much more relevant to this and it's that we have created a vacuum we have deconstructed our heritage and we have purposefully begun to move in the gods of other cultures and the philosophies of other cultures into our nation and we find that it's drastically shifting our morality it's drastically shifting our values and uh, the america of the founding is not the america of today in, in many many respects now. it's definitely um noteworthy mm-hmm. it is noteworthy it is uh, mm-hmm. to me uh, look it, it it describes if you look at the picture and you can go online folks and, and google this <laughs> it's it it's the exact uh, okay, description so, so of the beast of Revelation. The it really is. says, like unto a, le- a leopard, feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Um, now, they say it's a jaguar. Uh, so anyway, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's posting it. The fact that it's there at the United Nations that used to have the dove as its symbol of right, peace. peace. And, and uh, you know. Well, what does it say in the verse again? What are the what are the animal uh, resemblances? Yeah, so so the says? animals are a leopard. Uh huh. The beast was likened to a leopard. His feet as the feet of a bear. Mm-hmm. His mouth as the mouth of a lion. So here's a posting from the United Nations photo, which is the United Nation affiliated with the United Nations, and it has a picture of this beast, and it says a guardian for international peace. And security sits on the visitors' plaza outside UN headquarters. The guardian is a fusion of jaguar and eagle, and donated by the government of Osaka, Mexico. It is created by artist Jacobo and Maria Angelis. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of the same semblance there is as and, from that and version also of the irony 
or the that uh, it's the protector of peace. <laughs> it's a symbol of peace. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not wanting that symbol of peace at my front door. Anytime soon. <laughs> All right, folks, stay tuned. We're going to talk about uh, some more Roe v. Wade stuff. Some some states that are passing some really really uh, bold bills and. Um, some other stats that you'll find very interesting. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger. Your co-host is here also. Pastor Brian Leversey, Fellowship Baptist Church. We're the only show in America where you will experience a fusion of church and state. Had a good segment last uh, segment, just moments ago. If you missed it, go to the podcast, A Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. I don't even know. Where do you go? How do you How do, you do I that? I think it's do everywhere you, you can find podcasts. So iTunes, so iTunes um, SoundCloud, okay. um, yeah, pretty much any anywhere you find podcasts. So I always have to ask the next generation, how much older am I than you? I'm 56. Like years. 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I just had breakfast with a guy I've known since he was uh, in junior high. So I, I ran for Congress years ago in Ohio. And um, we had an office in Marietta, just on Front Street. There. Mm-hmm. And this kid walks in, a Christian kid. 16 years old. Hey, I want to help. And he's been like a, a, like a soundboard for me since hmm. he was 16, and wow. he's 36, 37 now. Wow. So how old, how old are you? <laughs> also, I told him the story about um, when I was in D.C. during the Clarence Thomas hearings. Hmm. I don't know if I ever told you that story. Hmm. So I was there and uh, so got to got to cheer him on right as he – I was as close – to you and I, to him as you and I are. And I was cheering him on, yelling, a thumbs mm-hmm. up. And uh, he goes, uh, my breakfast boy said, you are old, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you, can, you were there when Clarence Thomas came out of the building. He's thinking uh-huh. I was like two. Yeah. But um, anyway, that happens. Everybody gets older. There is no escaping it. That's true. But that's not part of this segment. So no, it's not. Let's, let's move on to something yeah, let's, here. Can we please move on? <laughs> Arkansas becomes third state to introduce Texas-style abortion ban. Anything Texas-style is usually something we're going to like, right? Uh, During a special session meant to discuss tax cuts, a GOP legislator who thinks the Texas bill is absolutely awesome introduced an even more extreme version. So he's saying, I like the Texas bill, but I'm going... Further, hmm. Arkansas became the latest state to consider a, co- a copycat version of Texas's draconian mm-hmm. six-week abortion ban on Tuesday when se- uh, State Senator Jason Raper, he's a friend of mine, hmm. um, he has also the National Association of Christian Law- Lawmakers. He started it two years ago. I'm the West Virginia uh, chairman. So he filed, Jason Rapert, senator from Arkansas, filed Senate Bill 13 during a special legislative session. Rapert's bill went a step further than the Lone Star State's bill. The proposed Arkansas legislation aims to ban abortion at any stage of pregnancy. Wow. So this is saying, look, uh, Roe v. Wade, let me punch you in the jaw. <laughs> um, so Jason Rapert, he's a, he is a genuine um, pro-life hero. Hmm. Um, 
So, what Texas has done is absolutely awesome, Jason Rapert said in uh, September. Uh, he said that in September after Texas passed the six-week ban. So, um, similar to Texas's ban, listen to this. Arkansas's law would deputize private citizens to enforce the law. This is what Texas's law did, too. It deputizes private citizens to enforce the pro-life law by offering a $10,000 bounty to anyone who successfully sues someone aiding or abetting a person trying to get an abortion. Wow. Well, you know, to that's me, unlike, there's, that's amazing like that. because it's a lot like a good Samaritan law. I mean, if you see someone in distress that's being killed yeah. and you don't do something to, to aid them, you know, you're you're kind of considered at fault in that situation. I think that's a And I, I love the, the, the carryover of thought yeah. there that life in the womb is the same as life outside the womb. And if you see it in danger, run to, run to their aid. That's you know? a good uh, analogy. Abortion is a crime against humanity, Rapert told the Huffington Post. This is a Huffington Post article. We believe it is urgent that we use the Texas-style civil cause of action approach to ensure abortions are stopped right now. Hmm. It is time the will of individual states. Um, it is it is time the will of indivi- individual states to protect human life is respected across the nation. So he has thirty co-sponsors hmm. on that bill, and um, the governor Asa Hutchinson, who is hot and cold and most of the time lukewarm. He's a staunch anti-abortion lawmaker, that's how Huffington Post describes. He said ahead of the special session that any further abortion restrictions should wait until Dobbs is uh, decided. So he's, he's heading for the, the high grass on this. But uh, so that's, uh, that is uh, an even stronger bill in Arkansas by our buddy Jason Rapert, who we need to have on this show. Hmm. Um, I've done interviews with him on, on Zoom because uh, he interviews the state uh, head, the state chapter heads of his National Association of Christian Lawmakers. But he's just a great guy, has a great testimony, great story. So that's Jason Rapert in Arkansas, one-upping even the Texas law. And uh, so here's a couple of, uh, listen to this one. 26 states will ban all or most abortions if Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. So we talked about this yeah. a little bit last week uh, with Kayla Kessinger, and even afterwards, you and I uh, waxed, I thought, quite eloquently. We did, we did well. <laughs> <laughs> Not humility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but eloquently. I mean, yeah, yeah. we did a good job. 26 <laughs> states will ban all or most abortions if Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. All right, so, Pastor, listen to these. These are... Uh, these are quite interesting. This is a story out of Life News. More than half the country would protect unborn babies by banning all or most abortions if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Hmm. So this is from the uh, Guttmacher, Guttmacher Institute. So it's a pro-abortion group. The Guttmacher. I think it's Guttmacher. G-U-T-T-Macher. I'm thinking so. Guttmacher. Uh, so they studied abortion. According to its analysis from the Guttmacher Institute, 26 states, quote, are certain or likely to ban abortions. That's amazing. If the U.S., uh, if, if they overturn Roe. The high court is currently, the high court, the high court currently 
is considering doing just that. So they just heard Dobbs. Lawyers for the state of Mississippi, which is, um, um, the, is, is the law that's being brought before the Supreme Court, urged the court to overturn its 73 abortion ruling and allow states to protect unborn babies from abortion again. And uh, spring or summer of 22 is when it's coming out. In the meantime, experts are making predictions about what the Supreme Court might do and how states uh, would respond if Roe is overturned. So listen to these. This is uh, what's going to happen in America. Where are states going to line up? Uh, the Guttmacher has has some pretty good information on it. And, and, and it's like going into war. You, it never ends up like mm-hmm. you, you think right. it's going to. God will do whatever he wants sure. to do. And there will be great things that happen mm-hmm. when this, uh, when Roe uh, or if Roe is overturned. While no one knows what the court will do, Gubacher pointed out that by even accepting the case, the court has signaled that it is willing to revisit the legal uh, the leg- legality of abortion. So just the fact that they yeah. took the case means something. Mm-hmm. That was the big deal. Oh man, all of a sudden the the uh, the whole uh, country is abuzz with this with this uh, decision of the court to take this case. Many states already have taken action to protect unborn, unborn babies from abortion in anticipation of Roe. Uh, 21 states that have laws or constitutional amendments that would ban abortions once the power to do so returns to the states. So if Roe is overturned, 21 states have already said, look, we've got laws in place that say no abortion mm-hmm. in our state. West yep. Virginia is one. So here's, here's the states. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Ohio. Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia. Yes. Yes. And Wisconsin. I was in there. Your home mm-hmm. state. California is uh, conspicuously missing. Yeah. Arizona's on there, though. Arizona's on there. Yeah. yeah good, there's some good people, good folks in Arizona. Some of these states will still have pre-row laws that prohibit abortions, and others have trigger laws. Mm-hmm. And we have a trigger uh, amendment also that says, I think it says that if Roe is overturned, Medicaid can't pay for abortions. I mm. think that's the essence of the amendment that was passed several years ago uh, it, in in Charleston and then voted on by the people. I mm. think you may not have been here yet. Some of these states still have pro... Uh, let's see. Let me go to the next uh, paragraph. Additionally, Guttmacher predicts that five more states would move quickly to protect unborn babies from Roe. So these states don't have something in place, but Guttmacher is saying once Roe is overturned, these states will, boom, move in Mm. and protect the unborn. Florida, Indiana, Montana, Nebraska, and Wyoming. Mm. That's who Guttmacher says. These states don't have anything in place uh, for uh, anticipation of the overturning of Roe, but boom, they'll move in. Mm. And I think that, especially with uh, the new, uh, especially with uh, our, the governor in Florida, Indiana's conservative people, Montana, Nebraska, Wyoming, um, and so on. So, altogether, these actions would result in hundreds of thousands of unborn babies being spared mm-hmm. from abortion Amen. every year. Amen. Recently, uh, a group of 154 economists and researchers estimated that abortion numbers would drop by about 120,000 in the first year. Wow. 
So, and more after that. Um, but there's other analysis that uh, is very interesting in this. But uh, since 1973, 63 million unborn babies have, have been slaughtered and moms that have died under the knife. Mm-hmm. And no one mentions the dads in these situations. But these dads that have uh, that, may, you know, they might have a baby out of wedlock or, or not. And they, they have no say. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard these horrible stories of these dads who didn't want the mom to have the abortion and how awful that would be to go through, you know, waking up at night. And, and I remember one, one testimony I read about a dad who's, he, he, he would, uh, after the, his, his gal had a, an abortion, he'd, he'd wake up in the middle of the night and want to go put a blanket over, mm. over his baby. I don't know how many times growing up, uh, not growing up, but my, when my kids were little, I would go get up and, and check on them. Mm-hmm. Just that's what dads yep. do, you know. Are they are they cold or everything mm-hmm. okay? And and go back to bed or check on them right before bed. And um, and, and and dads are are like an, a a non issue yeah. in this in this whole thing. Hmm. But uh, but just let me just make one. How are we doing on time here? Uh, we're we're good. Uh, one other article here, Pastor. Since um, uh, Science proves Roe v. Wade is wrong. Humanity starts at conception, not viability. Mm. That's what Roe says, viability. Yep. Viability becomes, as we have more and more technology, viability becomes younger and younger yeah. as babies are living. Yep. It's an arbitrary uh, standard. Yeah. It's a man-made standard. It's an awful, awful standard. It is. So... And even in this article, and I was I was reading these these uh, articles this morning, getting ready. But you know that that one I just read said sixty three million babies died. You yeah. know what this one says? After five decades and sixty two million babies killed. Wow. So here's when you get to millions of babies, you can be off by a million. Yeah. Just. Yeah. There's a million. Oh, no, but 63. No, it's 62. It, 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 it's so many. It's so gargantuan in mm-hmm. scale. It's such a prodigious amount of death and killing. You're off by a million. Okay. No yeah. big deal. That's just it's a statistic. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, all of the... Uh, corruption that's come to light in the industry of abortion... I mean, I don't know that you can trust the numbers that are actually put out there anyway, because there was a lot of cover-up going on so that they could turn into a side business of selling, you know, parts and doing different things, that there was a lot that didn't even come into account with that. Selling, so Selling baby parts. And, and, and how, did the, how did the nation not just rise up and kill people, just put them on court, try them and execute people yeah. that sell? baby parts Mm. that's how we that's where we are you want to you want to walk away from god as a culture you will be so hardened uh as a corporately as a nation all of us that you can forget like i just did i i forgot about that aspect of abortion outside of the room you uh kill someone carve them up and uh and mutilate their bodies and you're considered one of the most heinous serial killers that uh could uh have ever walked the earth and that you do that same thing in the womb millions of times and uh it's science 
And nobody, you know, we, we've never really seen an abortion like Abby Johnson. That's what changed her heart. Mm-hmm. All this, she, she just happened to be in the, uh, uh, they asked her to s- s- sit in with a pr- procedure being done. And she saw what happened on the screen. Boom, yeah. that, that baby was sucked out of the womb. Well, it's a biblical thought. You know, the insidious nature of sin is if you can't see it, it's not a problem. And that's why secret sin that goes on in our life is so destructive because, you know, the light of the word of God shines into our heart, reveals that sin, and we need to deal with it. Otherwise, it just it just destroys us from the inside out. The Bible speaks openly about the fact that, uh, you know, people who are in evil behavior hate the light because they love the darkness. They want to hide their deeds because their deeds are evil. It's a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret. And there's a lot of secret things going on behind the scenes that people just want to ignore and put their head in the sand about. And it's destroying our nation. It's destroying our families. It's destroying lives. And this issue of abortion is the most heinous, ungodly issue that we still deal with today. I mean... Wars were fought for less than this. You know, the Civil War happened really primarily around the issue of slavery. And, um, you know, in my mind, you've got to put this right in there with that. This issue of, of defending uh, life in the womb is, is to me, an uh, issue worth fighting for. It's an issue worth certainly praying for and getting involved in voting and making sure that when you're voting, you're not you're not promoting people who are wanting to continue this barbaric practice of mutilating and murdering babies in the womb. I mean, we need to wake up here and, and see what's really going on. And my prayer is that this Dobbs case will handle it. But if it doesn't, we need to have a voice. We need to, we need to end this stuff. The problem, one of the big problems, is when you talk about an issue for 50 years and nothing's done about it, yeah. you become jaded. Yep. Hearts become hardened. And yep. uh, what I like about this row thing is I know in my own heart it is just uh, it's just kind of cracked that hardness in my heart and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fired up about Roe again yeah. and the and the prospect of babies being uh, protected at least in half the states there's a there was a uh, very famous abortionist and I can't think of his name I heard I heard him speak once before he died uh, that uh, I'm just uh, talking about something you said about when we don't see it uh, how it really doesn't affect us but he he created the film the silent scream right do you remember his yeah. name? yeah i can't think of his name but the silent scream he it was just basically a real video mm-hmm. of a baby screaming in the screaming room. when mm-hmm. it's being aborted uh, and it, it, it influenced many, many yeah. people. So, and that's what happens every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Those 62 or 63 million, whatever it is, million here, million there, uh, every single baby that's killed experiences pain and yeah. the horror of it. And it's an awful, awful thing. Forgive us, Lord. All right. Next segment, we're going to talk about American households. With married parents, how many households, what percentage of American households have married parents and some other great information from an article that uh, we'll deal with in the next segment. This is the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with Pastor Brian Leversey. Just had a good segment on abortion, 
And uh, so podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. We're on Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3. So tune in, folks. We uh, we try to bring you just uh, – we try to pack in the hour we have mm-hmm. every week, Pastor, of uh, just important stuff yeah. and bring it from a, a biblical worldview because it doesn't matter what you and I have to say about it. We know we want to know what God says right. about it, right? And abortion, He's spoken, and that's that's all obvious. So we were talking about natural law before we started on the radio because that's um, uh, something that you and I love, mm. both of us, in terms of what is natural law. If you, if you, um, and this I'll go quick on this, but if you study the founding fathers and that generation and the generations before, they were they were saturated, so to speak in uh, the truths of natural law, that our laws come from the laws of nature. What are those? The laws of nature and nature's God. That's a phrase used by Mm -hmm. uh, Jefferson um, that says that the laws of nature, those are conscience and creation, and the laws of nature's God uh, is Scripture. That's where laws come from. And, And Blackstone said, I said this last week, but but uh, William Blackstone, which is uh, whose who's commentary on the law uh, we used in America all the way up into the, I think, 20th century maybe. But Blackstone said, if a law goes against the law of nature, it's invalid. Yeah. It's invalid. And we should never even we should never even obey it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so Obergefell, the Supreme Court said, yeah, yeah, you know what? You know what, America? Supreme Court had no right to hear Obergefell. It had no constitutional right to hear Roe v. Wade. Uh, these are just, these are, uh, this is a court that's going beyond the limits mm-hmm. of what the Constitution gave it and setting setting a horrible law for the whole country. But Obergefell said that a marriage between the same t- two men or two women is legitimate. Mm-hmm. It is now, it's now, marriage now defines homosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, um, God and Blackstone and our founding fathers would have all said, nope, they would have risen up. Mm-hmm. That is invalid. That is against natural law. Yep. So anyway, so here's a story not about natural law. This, I'm going to segue here if I could. <laughs> <laughs> Only 18% of American households are families with married parents. That sounds really low, but let's dig into this because that that uh, headline catches your attention. And, uh, Pastor, I know you were thinking, ah, and I, I, I agree. I think, though, the way it's written, um, we'll understand why 18% is there. At the same time, we'll understand that that's really alarming. Among the 130 million households in the U.S., only 17.8% featured feature married parents with children. Hmm. What was it in 1970? 40% in 1970. So it's less than half in uh, in 20 or, uh, or in, uh, 50 years. So that's from the Census Bureau. Wow. Okay, so the Daily Mail summarized. They said there are currently just 23.1 million American homes with nuclear families. Fewest since 1959. Mm. The reasons given for the drop include the pandemic delaying marriage, but that's very, very recent, uh, and a continued decline in birth rate, Hmm. which is happening worldwide except for Muslim nations, by the way. The average age of a woman at her first marriage is now 28 and a half years. Wow. In the 1950s and 60s, 
it was about 20 and a half years. So it's gone up eight years. The average age for men to marry for the first time in 2021 was 30 and a half years. The America's, uh, America's fertility rate dropped to 55 births per thousand in the second quarter of 2021, down from 58 in the same period of 2019. Hmm. So that's pretty significant. From 2019 to 2021, the rate of births per thousand dropped from 58, it's actually 58.5 to 55.4. So we're not having a lot of babies. You know, and it just is striking how true and simple this scripture is. The wages of sin is death. And when we embrace sin as a people, as, uh, as a country, it leads to the death of so many things. It leads to the death of marriages. It leads to the death of the family uh, as a nucleus. It leads to the death of, you know, a vibrant, um, fertile country that's producing generations. Um, it just, it kills off everything when we embrace sin. And, and boy, it's a simple statement from scripture, but how true it is, is it's played out in even these statistics as you study them over time in a culture, the wages of sin is death. And we're finding our country is melting down in so many different ways. And, and probably the most consequential way is the death of the family as, mm-hmm. as the nucleus of our culture and our society. Yeah, and you can't survive. No. You can't survive as a culture with with the family gone. You can't. And um, that's one of the goals of the Communist Party is the destruction of the family. And here's another aspect that that uh, the low birth rate and and the the uh, the death of the nuclear family that this article addresses. Americans are also living alone hmm. at a higher rate than they used to. Do you think social no media family. has something to do with that too? Do you think I've wondered this. There's been studies about this. I don't have anything concrete that I could bring to the table right now. It might be a good show for in the future. I don't know. But to me, I I find that people are becoming more introverted with an idea that they have these friends that are out there or these connections. And a lot of it's just through media. There's there's not even a lot of personal interaction. In fact, we've seen a big push through this uh, pandemic fear culture to minimize church attendance and to just watch at home or to connect remotely uh, with God's people. And we find at every stage, people are becoming more and more disconnected and more and more attached to this idea of social mm-hmm. media instead of actual socializing with, with other people. Yeah, it's, social media is a, it's a faux socialization. Mm-hmm. You know, the paradox of having uh, friends that you've never met, you know, I've got mm-hmm. a, on Facebook almost 5,000 friends. I don't know, but I don't know, 10% of them. Yeah. I mean, there are people, some people I've met once or twice. So, so it's it's not it's not a biblical social no uh, it's a lot of connection so called without any investment so you it's know going to make you lo- yeah and it's going to make you lonely, lonely right yeah absolutely uh, so, so good observation the percentage of adults in the US living with a spouse was 50% so this must be the latest census but anyway it's down from 52% 10 years ago over 37 million adults lived alone in 2021, up from 33 million in 2011. Hmm. As far back as 1960, listen to this, 87% of adults lived with a spouse. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, marriage is marriage is, is just getting creamed. Yeah. And uh, folks living together, we've talked about we've talked about that and uh, uh, it, it, it creates loneliness. One of the, you know, um, anyway, let me, let me finish here. Analysts and commentators have pointed toward declining rates of religiosity, higher living expenses. Listen to this. The permutation of LGBT ideology hmm. and even climate, whatever. Uh, indeed, the United States economy is already feeling pressure and so on. But, um, Listen to this from Elon Musk. Are you an email Elon Musk guy? My boy. He's uh, something else, I'm telling you. Know you know what? I never cared for him because I thought, okay, he's, he made a car that's government subsidized. I'm, I'm out on that. Which isn't his fault, by the way, necessarily. But well, he's a I, businessman. I'm becoming a uh, – you got to read the robber barons, though. Uh, yeah. Because these guys that, that rely on they, – they don't turn out. But yeah. – Elon Musk, I think, is my 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 middle child loves him, and so if he loves him, I I'm, I listen a little bit. I won't tell him that. <laughs> I won't give him. <laughs> uh, noticing these dangers, Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk commented at a recent summit that civilization will quote unquote crumble unless people begin having more children. Yeah. That's a pretty bold statement mm-hmm. for a guy like that. I think it, it, it's like the gal who wrote the Harry Potter se- uh, series. Mm-hmm. She's coming out strong against the transgender. Yeah. She's what a, probably a billionaire close, yeah. and she's those people don't usually. Nope. She is anyway. Musk says I think one of the biggest risks to civilization is the low birth rate and the rapidly declining birth rate, and yet so many people, including smart people, think. That there are too many people in the world and think that the population is growing out of control. It's completely the opposite, Musk says. Please look at the numbers. If people don't have more children, civilization is going to crumble. Mark my words. It's absolutely true. So Elon Musk is coming out and saying – he, he's been uh, feeling his oats lately. And, and okay, i, I, I got to finish this. This is really great. This is really fascinating here from China. China, which implemented strict population control measures, the one child only, right. following its communist revelation, uh, revolution, is now seeking to undo its one-child policy today, which would have been uh, a couple days ago. The nation's central government is permitting couples to have up to three children. Hmm. I had not so, heard that. Hmm. Had you heard that? I had not seen heard that. that. Anywhere? They That's got, kind of a big deal. It's a it's a very big deal, and it shows you, uh, you know, all, all, the, the the they would uh, families want a boy, mm-hmm. especially in these communist nations. You and I don't care. I, you know, Christian nation. Hey, whatever God gives us. But in these communist nations, these families want a boy because they want to uh, pass down their name. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So so many so many girls are aborted in China. There's not enough girls for the boys to marry. And uh, you, you know, obviously, when you you have a um, a paradigm like that, where where one child only, it's, it's mm-hmm. never going to work. China's figuring that out. Yeah. All right, we're going to do the etiquette section next. The etiquette segment next. We're in the art of manliness. You do not want to miss it, folks. Don't go away. Straighten up out there. Put your napkin on your lap. 
Elbows off the table. Elbows off the table. We'll be right back. This is the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is Mike Gazinger with Brian Leversey. It's the etiquette segment, world famous. Yeah, I, I, I've heard a lot about it. I think you can fly to any nation, turn on the radio, Catch this. and uh, hear about the etiquette That's right. segment. Or, P, or just go to the town square. People will be talking about it. You know? Clean, 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 clean. <laughs> All right, table manners for gentlemen. That didn't include us, thankfully. Yeah, We're not yeah. gentlemen. This doesn't apply. <laughs> Number 11. So we did 1 through 10. I'm not going to go all the way back through them uh, because we really don't have time. So we'll go to number 11. Never chew with your mouth open. Mm. Yeah, that's natural that's gross. law right there. Yeah, that's natural law. <laughs> and naturally, do not attempt to speak when it's full either. Right. You listen to me, you kiddos out there. Finally, the seafood diet joke is only appropriate for five <laughs> <laughs> I did that one recently, so I feel really embarrassed now. Number 12, if you have a mustache or beard, yes, be sure to avoid getting food lodged in your hairy masterpiece. Mustaches should not literally be used as soup strainers, right? <laughs> so you got a mustache and beard out there, guys. But do they give any tips on how to not get the food stuck in I your beard? I think that's an impossibility. I have yeah. a beard. It's like it's... you just wipe your mouth every time you yep. take a bite. That's yep. just part of the deal that is <laughs> uh, can we go on to the next one kind of disgusting <laughs> oh, number 13 if dining at a friend's home and you find a hair in the food quietly and inconspicuously remove it yeah. <laughs> that's part of the deal, the, the deal too so missionaries i mean they have to go and eat food that that's they true. absolutely don't like so this is a this is a small a small inconvenience pay, yeah. inconspicuously take the hair Continue eating. If said situation happens at a restaurant, you may let the wa- the waiter know. So, uh, yeah, that's like you feel like uh, you've been transgressed if you're at the re- at the uh, restaurant. I was at I uh, can't remember what the setting was, but I was with some college students, and we were invited all together over to somebody's house for lunch. Who were being real nice to us, and one of uh, the college students took a bite of food. And the hair was in the food, and it was a long hair. And right there at the table, they pulled the hair out of their mouth. <laughs> it wasn't very inconspicuous. <laughs> I hope he's. I hope he's watching today, listening today. Uh, so did the host? Yeah, it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> Number fourteen. If you wish to consume the last item or portion of a dish, ask your fellow diners if anyone would like some before you polish it off. Hmm. So that's like, uh, okay, one piece of pie left or one whatever. Y'all aren't going to eat this, are you? That yeah, you that's say? the way you say it. Or the loophole is at least leave just a little piece. So I'll cut yeah. it all the way down to where there's hardly anything there, but there's still some left in case somebody that's, wanted to buy it. That is a bad loophole that's been, uh, <laughs> that needs to be closed. <laughs> Number 15, do not bring up unappetizing stories at the table. <laughs> Your story about remember that time at the hospital where yeah. you're gushing, <laughs> yeah, or uh, or or uh, yeah, your story about breaking open your head in a skateboarding accident <laughs> may slay them at the frat house, but it will not. But it will ruin tomato soup at dinner. Yeah. All right, there you go. That is out of the Good art stuff. of manliness. Good stuff for manners, especially Christmas coming up. 
You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show, and we're going to try to do a show next week. If not, Merry Christmas to everybody. If not, Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, but have a great week, folks. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. This is Mike Azinger with Brian Leversey, Voice of Truth radio show. We'll see you soon. I-